This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you with another exciting episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We're coming at you, as always, uh, live from the Vivid Seats studio, um, which uh, is back. It, it moves around sometimes, as you know, if you've been listening lately. Today, it's back at my kitchen table in my, my humble abode in Massapequa Park. Um, and uh, I have a very special guest joining me uh, today. He's a, a Another member of the uh, Overtime Podcast Network, which we are now proudly a member of. He's actually the host of the Pelicans Dedicated Podcast, which is going to be debuting very soon. Um, a gentleman by the name of Chris True. Chris, how are you, man? Hey, man. I'm so excited. It's grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Your studio is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, it really is. It really is just so scenic. Um, and uh, I, I just mentioned overtime. Uh, good time to also mention use promo code overtime uh, in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to a hundred bucks on all ticket purchases. Uh, first time customers only. So, Chris, um, I reached out to you a few weeks ago because. Um, so I don't know how things have been. Well, I imagine. Let me just start out with this. I imagine it has been. A pretty um, fun slash active summer if you are someone that uh, covers the Pelicans, given the uh, events of the last several months. So before we even get into anything else, um, just talk to me about what it's been like to like follow this team um, over that over that time frame. Oh my goodness, it's it's insane. As soon as you started, you know mentioning the 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 new era of pelicans basketball a big grin just crept up on my face because, <laughs> as it should <laughs> i mean i don't know how all this ha- i mean i know technically literally how it happened but you know uh cosmically i don't know how this happened and it really is it really is mind-boggling you know every time i think about this team which is you know frequently throughout the day i i feel like i forget about one good aspect of it. I keep forgetting that we signed Derek Favors. I keep forgetting that Brandon Ingram might be good. I just <laughs> or might be really good. You know, it's like it's like everything is just like, uh, you know, it's it's just hard. It's, it's like it's like I'm hungry and there's all these beautiful dishes laid out in front of me, buffet style, and I just forget about. I forget about the buffalo wings over there. I completely forgot about the ice cream over here. And <laughs> this team is really it's it's really it's really bizarre how how positive we're all feeling right now you know if i didn't know better 
Um, putting aside for the fact that you're talk that you're talking about a very positive offseason and um for the Knicks, while while I have been very encouraged by the things that they did, generally the perception around this offseason is as from the greater media culture has not been one of positivity. H- hearing the way you describe the sensation of going from what things were like um, before this, you know, all this transpired for you guys, and and what it's like now. If I didn't know better, I think you were had been rooting for the Knicks um, for your whole life because that's. Kind of the mentality that a lot of Nick fans have. I know I have it sometimes where it's like, you know, if something can go wrong, it, it often will go wrong. Um, is that kind of how it's been like like for you guys, you know, since you've been down in New Orleans? Yeah, I, we really do have a, a, a really choppy just weird ass history and i and i know that i'm from here and i've been following this team for so long so maybe i'm a little bit biased but i really do think that our background is is so strange like it like we don't have any major rivals like no one hates us except (laughs) I i don't know i don't know maybe now people resent them winning the lottery but but that's that's just a really emotional feeling. Like, like we've never broken anyone's hearts, you know, any other franchise's hearts. We haven't had enough success to really dig our heels in the ground for like, uh, you know, a certain team flavor or stance. There really isn't a lot going on with this team's history. And when you throw when you throw in that the Jazz left in the early '80s, when you throw in that we took the Hornets, and then you add in a rebrand. It's so bizarre, and and then you toss in two mega superstar lottery victories. It it's real. It's 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 really hard to put my finger on the temperature of this fan base and this franchise as a whole when you zoom out and look at its entire history, which what which is contributing to why it's so insanely positive and strange now because it feels like oh wait are we about to is this like chapter one of the of the book that will matter long term in the era of new orleans basketball um you talk about the fan base and and um you know obviously i want to discuss some of the guys that you uh you had last year that are now members of the knicks and also like we we kind of went back and forth on on email a, a bit about like similarities between the franchises but I, I'm just curious, um, you know, because from from the outside looking in, you could read, you know, media puff pieces about, you know, basketball in New Orleans and how everybody's excited. Is there is there really like a palpable like what the whole city is uh, ready to like get behind this team now after after yeah. what just happened? Oh, one hundred percent. Yes, I mean the. The the energy in the city is crazy. You know, there's you know you, you take an Uber downtown to go have a few drinks, eat at a restaurant, and the Uber driver is like, "Are you guys excited about Zion?" You know, it's like <laughs> it's like you know we have people people who are mildly interested in basketball. You know, like it, it, every every pro sports team needs the fan base that is like that will watch the game on in the bar and will get invested and will go to maybe three or four games a year but that's it you know every fan base has a certain number of those types i would say every single one of those types in new orleans 
is like it has has tried to get season tickets. It's like huh. they, they're all heightening their level of fandom. The billboards are all over the place. The local T-shirt shops that you know that make fat money off of you know catchy phrases and weird you know weird local sayings turn into some dope graphic design shirts. Like those those the new Zion shirts are all over the place. What are it's, you mean? Just like the gen, the, the gen, not I shouldn't say generic, but like just like the jersey. Like the T-shirts that are of like the jerseys, or like, are there other crazy stuff like that you've seen that Zion related with people walking around with? Oh, I I mean like the independent the independent takes from from these local T-shirt shops. Like that's what I'm thinking just, about. Yeah, yeah, j- just ones that are capitalizing off of his you know off of his let's dance. Actually, I have a question for you. Sure. As 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 an outsider, does does the phrase let's dance? Does that mean anything to you in terms of Zion? I okay, so I made a concerted effort to not be on Twitter that much this summer because I would drive myself crazy if I didn't give myself a little break. I remember seeing something about this. That said, I could not tell you for the life of me what it was, but it's something he's tell me give give us the story because I forget obviously. Yeah, just real quickly, like shortly after the, the, the draft, you know, when he actually was drafted and, you know, they were just looking for that soundbite, you know, like, and how do you feel? You know, you know, That's he said all the right, right things yes. at the very end of it. He had this big grin on his face, That's very it. similar to the one I had to start off this podcast. And then he just <laughs> said, he just said simply, let's dance, let's dance. And that just very quickly became the, the biggest trend in New Orleans. There's tons of shirts that say Let's Dance. I'm sure there's a Let's Dance podcast that's being created right now. There's, I hope there is. You know, if there isn't, there should be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, I personally wrote a an article about uh, for bourbonstreetshops.com about how to make Let's Dance the new Houdat because Houdat, you know, is, is the big rally cry for oh, the New Orleans football team. And so – and so, you know, we've always said for years, you know, that the Pelicans uh, before the Hornets need their version of a Houdat, but you can't really make those things up. They have to be organic. And Let's Dance was just oozing with with organic. And it, it, and people, you know, it, it's kind of happening. Now. You, you, you see the Zion shirt in the elevator and you kind of head nod and you say, let's dance. And they're like, let's dance, baby. So Let's Dance is doing its job as an organic catchphrase that is tied to our superstar who is here to save New Orleans basketball. Uh, no pressure or anything. Uh, no, but yeah, I, not, none at all. None at all. If anybody has the shoulders um, big enough, literally and physically, to handle it, um, it's him. And, and look, I mean, us here in New York, I mean, no, everyone can say what they want now, but everybody was was obviously hoping we landed him. That being said, um, I think we're all happy with with RJ at this point, and um, I think we need. We've had a couple decent sound bites from RJ. He dropped one earlier this week at a, a Puma event when someone asked him about. The Nets, and I think the exact words were, uh, "I don't care." Uh, I think that so, but that's that's not that doesn't have that same vibrancy of "Let's Dance." I'm still waiting for my <laughs> I'm still waiting for my RJ one liner. So, you guys have been, I would argue, um, as universally praised for your off season um, as uh, any team. Uh, outside of, I guess, the Clippers, because, you know, the, the, what Brooklyn did, obviously, we're, you know, we're all well aware of it here, and that, you know, and I've said it on here, and people don't want to hear me say it, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a get, it's a monumental achievement that they got those two guys to go there. 
That being said, there are still people who are critical of the fact that, hey, you signed a guy who just tore his Achilles and is going to be 31 years old to, you know, a mammoth contract. You guys, I haven't seen one negative review um, of your offseason, and that included, obviously, not just the Anthony Davis trade, um, and and obviously drafting Zion, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I, you know, had a a very nice summer league. Um, Seems like he's going to be a player. But you also signed some vets. You signed Derek Favors. Um, or should I say, was that technically a trade? I'm sure you'll correct me on it. Was I f- think it was technically a trade. I think it was technically I, I, a trade, but it might as well have been a, a right, signing. Right. Um, and you signed J.J. Redick. Um, so two vets that you know um, theoretically are going to play a significant role for this team. You, and I, I would say, I guess, even more significantly for that than that, um, could have traded Drew Holiday, a player who is, you know, a little older than I guess the the quote unquote core. Although you could argue that he's, you know, could be around as these guys grow for a while. That's the direction they decided to go in, and I, for one, think it's great because what what possible better environment could you have for your young players um, to learn around than guys who have clearly experience winning in other areas they're they're good veterans like good locker room guys um the Knicks not quite the same caliber of player as a JJ Redick and a Derek Favors and certainly not a Drew Holiday but went a similar road and were universally lambasted for that path that they took I'm curious did you were you just very happy with that path? Was there anybody within the Pelicans community that you're familiar with that were like, no, we should just give even more time to the kids and like maybe try to get another high draft pick? Like, where does everybody come down um, on how they approach their summer? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, going back to what I said at the beginning, how you know, I, I go about my day and I completely forget about a huge signing that we had and I get excited all over again because it's just too – it's very overwhelming, all the big moves that David Griffith did this, this summer. I kind of forgot that we got J.J. Redick. Like, <laughs> that's that's how insane it is that we have all these all these pieces. Okay. Now, I mean, I didn't actually forget about J.J. Redick, but yeah, I just Yeah, no, but you – I see what you – I understand what you're saying. But you – you saying that I'm like, oh my god, that's that's right. We have JJ Redick, and uh, to answer your question, not really. No, I have not seen that much criticism. Certainly, no notable critiques about this team's offseason. And I think it's because you know I have a lot of love in my heart for Dell Demps. Uh, I, I know Dew wasn't perfect. You know the previous Pelicans general manager. Sure. I'd, uh, I I've I've um I've eaten donuts with that dude. Um I've I've gotten to hang out with him a couple times. I think that he's, I think that he's very sweet and and pulled the trigger on some really uh, ballsy insane moves that I kind of oddly still stand behind, even though they didn't work out for us. That being said, a lot of people were just finished with Dell. A lot of people were just very eager to get him out of here, and so I think because of David Griffith and you know in the in the position now and him doing the moves that he did, I think that most of this fan base were have have been very grateful to just kind of sit back and watch the man do his thing, and he's kind of being universally praised locally. People are just really. Like, yeah, I trust this guy. Look what he's done already in such a short period of time. So he can kind of do no wrong right now, it seems, which is a really interesting position to be in uh, here in New Orleans because that has not been the case with any previous general manager. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I completely agree with you in, in that that he is he is that that has a lot to that has a lot to do with it. I so it, I'm always I'm always trying to think like why why do storylines generate in the way that they do? Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting to me because you guys have an owner in, um, well, is it still, it's still Gail Benson, right? That she's technically. Oh yeah. Yeah. Team Gail, dude. We love Gail. (laughs) So, okay. So let's start there because I feel like, you know, Gail Benson has come under like, well, definitely at certain times, um, before she hired um, David Griffin, would it be fair to say that she had come under fire down there at times? Well, it, it's it's kind of it's complicated, and it feels like it's, it's it should be its own like seven part podcast. Oh, but I'm sure it could ben- be. <laughs> but but just to try to like boil it down and give you the 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 bullet points here, I don't think people realize, and and I'm grateful for the platform to tell Knicks fans about this, but. Gail Benson is the one that really pushed Tom Benson to buy the Hornets back when they were up for sale. Okay. The the, the word in the street was that Tom Benson did not want to buy the team or, or at least wasn't fired up about it. Um, you know, he's getting up there in age and he owns the Saints. That's, you know, that doesn't get much more royal than that in New Orleans. And Gail, who was also from New Orleans, pushed him to buy the team. And so when Tom passed away, and all these stories came out that oh Gail, who now you know and you know formerly owns both franchises, all these stories came out that Gail was going to sell the Pelicans in order to focus on the Saints because she can't handle running both teams. It was all 100% completely false, and even after she made a formal statement about it, okay. the stories still came out. And and so down here in New Orleans, we love like if you're if. You know, a lot of us are both obviously Saints and Pelicans fans, but there are some very special people that somehow are just basketball fans, which is strange <laughs> in a city like New Orleans. Yeah, and I love them say. deeply. You know, I'm um, you know, I'm a bigger Pelicans fan than I am a Saints fan, uh, so I'm sort of one of them as well. But we all know that Gail is is the real savior of New Orleans basketball, and she had so much to do with the Bensons buying this team. And and I believe that she, a lot of us down here, believe that she is spending all this money right now because, because the theory is that the Saints is Tom's legacy, the Pelicans will be Gale's. Huh. And, so, and so there's a lot of love for Gail Benson down here. Not to get into any of the weird, you know, the, there's all kinds of weird stuff with like their family and the yeah, granddaughter. Yeah, no, I I'd heard about all that. But I'm not even talking about that. I guess I was just more focused on um, when the when the AD trade stuff was like in its, not maybe not it's in its infancy, but when it was just getting started and it seemed like there was a bit of, um, well, there was the rumor that, she, which was obviously denied later, that she said like, "Oh, you're never, we'll never trade to the Lakers," and obviously they did end up trading to the Lakers. So, you know that there goes that. Um, I, w- I, I, I was just curious, and you clearly just answered the question whether there was ever any like backlash towards her um, over any of that stuff because up here in New York, it's like it always comes back to it always comes back to the owner. Now, granted, he does stuff that's a lot more visibly like, "What the hell are you doing, dude?" Um, and Gail, by everything you're saying, seems like um, seems like she's viewed in a very different light. There, 
Yeah, and I also have another theory that I'd like to share with you. Please. This being a this being a football town, this this I kind of feel bad outing New Orleans a little bit like this, but I I think it I think it will it's it, it's it's good content for us. There's the, the football mentality here is really over the top, and if you think about if you think about the way that football teams prize uh, draft picks versus the way uh, NBA teams do. Like it, it's 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 been very interesting to watch this fan base down here, kind of uh, you know have to learn that basketball is different from football, and I think that one of the things that people were pegging Gail for was that Gail was they, they were they were accusing her of treating Anthony Davis as if he were a star football player, and and so treating the contract negotiations or the trades the trade request I should say treating it as if he was a football player and not a basketball player because in basketball there is a a huge precedent for people forcing their way out of town sure. out of cities in football there's a little bit of that but it's like when you when you talk about it in football people like kind of point back to Eli Manning like 12 13 years ago whenever that was like in basketball it feels like it happens every off season to a certain extent and so I think that there I think that people were kind of trying to figure out what the value of Anthony Davis was, you know, non-basketball people, I should say. And so it was really interesting when the trade hall came in and it had so many draft picks and so many swaps. I think a lot of the football fans in New Orleans were kind of like, okay, I get it now because they were able to wrap their head around the value of a first-round draft pick. And But I I also want to say throughout this entire process – I don't think that um, – I think that there was a little bit of like Gail doesn't know what she's doing yet uh, from some national media. But that was never a major storyline down here. That's what I was, I was I was about to say was that was, that did not resonate the same way actually locally. Interesting. No, no. Um, and it's funny what you were just talking about with AD in terms of the different mentality. It's – see, that's so funny to me because, you know, we had a – well, I mean, it was obviously he never came out in public. He asked for a trade, um, but we had a, a similarly disgruntled star um, here in New York um, up until um, last, um, I guess, January 31st was the exact trade date or January 30th. I forget. Um, and then they traded him before things got bad and people in you know, New York, I mean, there's been, obviously there's been a lot of different reactions to the KP trade, but it's just, it's interesting to hear you talk about the fact that people down there weren't really accepting of the fact that a a superstar could trade, could like force his way out when everybody else like recognizes that. And up here, I don't think from maybe national media people focusing on this, there was enough uh, credence given to the fact that like, look, if Porzingis wanted to to leave eventually, he would have figured out a way to leave, um, you know. And maybe the Knicks were better off doing it on on their terms. Um, obviously, you guys got the hall of all halls, uh, which I can't even imagine what it must feel like to own the amount of draft picks that you guys do um, over the coming years. That that's pretty cool. <laughs> See, that's all the side dishes at this buffet I was telling you about. Like, look at all these. <laughs> I love like that you're sticking potato. with the food analogy. That's perfect. <laughs> Sweet potato fries, waffle fries, tater tots, so much stuff. You know, a tater tot to be named later, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's, Swap it, a tater it really tot for a insane. baked potato, you know, you can do whatever you want. Um, oh, yeah, we can absolutely swap baked potatoes with the Lakers whenever we want. 
um, it's a nice situation to be in. Um, I tell you, it's 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 kind of insane to think that the that the future of New Orleans basketball is sort of kind of I'm being dramatic here, but it's sort of kind of tied to the to the eventual end of LeBron James's career. I don't I don't think like, that's dramatic at all. Why is that being dramatic? I think it's well, just being dramatic fair. because like because I don't think our future depends on it. Oh but, yeah, no, no, no. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but sure. but it's just like it's entirely possible. You know, just to play fantasy here for a second, it's entirely possible that the Pelicans are you know are kind of like an an under the radar like semi title contender by the time these Lakers picks are coming our way and it's also entirely possible that the Lakers aren't good you know that they aren't good in 2024 um you know i haven't i don't know that i've read this verbatim this summer or maybe i have and i'm just forgetting and if anybody has made this comparison i apologize um i think people were very careful to compare the Lakers trade to the obviously the famous Net Celtics trade that set the set the Celtics up with all those draft picks purely for the reason that Anthony Davis is uh, what is it 25 26 I, I apologize yeah, yeah. yeah well, he's is uh, it in his prime guy who could be the best player in the league next year um whereas Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce were a combined you know whatever they were 70 years of age um that being said it's like is it, it I I get that it's not similar, but it's like it's not that dissimilar given all of the uncertainty surrounding that organization. Um, and aside from the fact that Anthony Davis is only under contract for one more year, and I know we, you know, around and it's funny around New York, nobody that's like taboo. We're not talking about Anthony Davis's even potential free agency next year because of what we just went through and how it ended. But like that's out there too, so I could see you know you in New Orleans being like, hell yeah, this thing can go terribly in, in LA for all we know. Yeah. The, one thing I certainly learned about Anthony Davis throughout the years is that dude does not love being the, the, you know, the, 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 fo- the focus of the, of media attention. Um, he, that's just kind of the way he's built. And I think people close to him, people who have worked with him closely on the team will tell you something very similar. So when all this stuff was coming out about, you know, these superstars don't want to play with LeBron James, the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I know one who would. <laughs> His name is Anthony Davis. Uh, he would probably love to play with LeBron James because, uh, because he, lo- he kind of defaults in terms of leadership. And there's a reason why, uh, why Drew Holiday became untouchable after the trade happened because he was always kind of the leader and, and he's for sure the leader now. And the team is absolutely positioning him as one of the, the, the coaches, the front office and the marketing team are all aligned in Drew Holiday being, you know, being like our leader moving forward. But I think that Anthony Davis just doesn't have that leadership blood in his, uh, you know, running through his body. And so that just brings me back to what, what if something bad happens with the Lakers and, you know, LeBron retires and now, now AD is the centerpiece, but he hasn't really enjoyed being the centerpiece. And, and of course that can change too. Like maybe he just wasn't happy here, you know, Uh, I, I understand that can change, but, but it just, I don't see Anthony Davis leading a post LeBron James era, Los Angeles Lakers franchise to, to championships. That's really, that's really interesting. Um, for, for a couple of reasons, one, like just now thinking about Anthony Davis and all that we've seen of him, that, that doesn't exactly, that description doesn't shock me at all. 
Um, I, I, I also am thinking about it because I have a piece coming out about R.J. Barrett, um, I guess, uh, today, by the time people listen to this, about how even if he may not ever be the best or most talented guy on a really, like, a championship-caliber team, um, he might wind up being the most important. Um, and what you just said about AD, because obviously AD is as talented as anyone, but um, may not have that leadership blood. I had heard in at Summer League, and I don't know if this is, like, this is even a secret, but he, like, it's not... It's not an accident that he wanted to end up in one of the two cities that has, like, you know, the two best, like, it's, it's like New York and L.A. They have the best nightlife. They have the best, like, extracurricular, shall we say, um, stuff. Did you Have you ever gotten that kind of a read that A.D. is the kind of guy that um, wants to enjoy all of the trappings of life as an NBA superstar, so to speak? Well... Kind of, but I think it's more to do with he's very impressionable. And if he's got someone in his ear telling him you need to go to L.A. or New York or wherever because of blank, (laughs) I think that A.D. is the kind of guy that's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. I can't do that here, et cetera, Who could you be talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think he's very impressionable. You know, and I have another story, and forgive me, I I don't know if this is like, if this has kind of already become blog fodder. Oh, no, tell it. If it's already seeped down. But I know – well, through some people that work for the team that I've been close with, I know that when Boogie and Rondo were on the team, they had a problem with the music that was being played in the Smoothie King Center, like during warm-ups and stuff. I have they were like, this. So Boogie and Rondo were like, this is bad music. And, you know, I they they are right. Like, I've been pretty critical. Of, you know, I, I'm, I'm very – I'm my vibe as like a human and as a as a – basketball uh, you know um content guy is i i weigh i lean way more positive and optimistic that's just my vibe uh, but but i have been very critical about the game day presentation in new orleans i think it's i think it's it, it can be sometimes embarrassing that we're in a city like new orleans and yet their game day experience barely feels like new orleans okay and and and, and so so i so, so i believe this story to be very much true but boogie and rondo pretty much were ribbing the team in front of AD for playing such uh, tacky music during warmups. And AD was kind of like, yeah, I agree. And then Boogie and Rondo kind of ganged up on him and said, dude, you can change that. Like you go and tell them to change it. And Davis apparently just never even thought that he could do that or he was, or he was too passive to follow through on it. And, and that was like a talking point in the early in that season that Boogie and Rondo had to explain to AD that he is that he is such an important person in the franchise that he can make those kinds of decisions. And so I just tell that story to point to the fact that AD is very passive and he is he's you know, he's obviously he's uh, he's an amazing talent. And I think deep down, I'm always going to be pulling for him. Um, and I secretly really hope that we get a Kevin Garnett moment from him if he wins the uh, if he wins a title in L.A. I, ho- I, re- I really, truly hope we get a shout out that New Orleans gets a shout out from A.D. as the confetti falls in Staples. Um, but I, I you're a better I, I, man I, than me. I, I wish <laughs> I wish no good tidings on on um, the, the tall gentleman that left New York um even though he was, he did not formally request a trade. Although maybe he did. Well, whatever. That's very nice of you to say. I will say that. Well, 
I mean, don't get it twisted. I mean, I I will be rooting against the Lakers. They, uh, and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that, you know, if if it happens, I will accept it, and I will be hoping for a New Orleans shout out, a la what Kevin Garnett did for Minnesota in in Boston. Um, that's very cool of you. Um, before, so I want to talk about uh, three specific players before we get on one who's on your team right now, and two who were on your team last year. Before we do, I want to ask one more question about the the current squad um, and kind of big picture stuff. Um, Zion obviously has not yet played a game um, for the Pelicans. Um, Anthony Davis was, I mean, before Zion, the the previously most highly touted prospect to come into the league. Um, And he, I mean, I, I don't know when the rumbling started that he wanted to get out, but it, 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 it obviously ended in a way that, well, I mean, I guess it ended good because you got all this stuff, but it didn't maybe end. It certainly didn't end in the way that um, I'm sure the the city or the franchise would have hoped the day they drafted Anthony Davis. Is there any kind of like lingering um, fear? Is not the right word, but like you know, when you've been scorned in a breakup once, like the the next relationship you enter into, you're always going to kind of be on guard. Um, is there any of that already? You know, with with Zion in terms of like, it, you know, is he going to be here for, you know, a decade or, you know, whatever? Um, will he ever want to leave? Like, are you guys just like, let's just get this thing started and we'll worry about the future when the future comes? Yeah, not really. I mean, it, you know, of course, there's the there's the part where he has said, <clears throat> excuse me, where he has said all the right things. And I think that he, you know, that's to be expected. You know, if you are a perceptive sports fan, you expect them to at least say, you know, I love it here and I want to play here for a long time. But I think that he has actually said more than he needs to in terms of how much he likes New Orleans. That's meaningful, though. Yeah, first it's absolutely meaningful. It's 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 it, it serves well. It serves us well down here. You know, no, no matter what your level of fandom is, it 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 gives you goosebumps and it makes you and it, it makes you happy. In addition to that, I think the way that the Anthony Davis thing ended was so absurd that it almost feels like it's like I think about it like like if you get broken up with. You may think like, oh, it's going to be hard for me to find another partner. It's like, and that's that's um, you know that that makes sense, right? You know, you're emotional, it's raw, but I think if you get like left at the altar or something, if you get broken up with it like in an in an insane way, I don't think you think, what if that specific thing happens again? <laughs> I think you're just. I, that's I think great. it almost helps you deal with it. it I mean, it, it hurts. It's very frustrating, and it's, I think I feel like the 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 the, the emotion spikes early. But, but I don't think that you're on the next date and thinking, what if they leave me at the altar? I think you're thinking, you know, this is hard to get to fall back in love. But that was so absurd the way the previous one ended. Certainly that cannot happen again. And I kind of feel that way about the Anthony Davis ending because that was so absurd. The way that we had to manage his minutes and like the way that we, we had to play him and that the demand fell flat and then he still went to the Lakers. I mean, all the stuff that happened. So absurd that I don't think that we're sitting here wondering what's going to happen to Zion. I think that New Orleans as a city, as a brand, is very about it, about it. Let's go. We're very, we're ready to roll. We're, we're here to party. Let's have some fun. And I don't think that we're already planning the funeral. You know, I, I think that we're, re- I think that we're ready to go. I, I think that's a, a great answer. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that because like, 
you know, they. Sh- I, I mean, I know for myself, like, despite the fact that um, I forget which one of them said it, like RJ or Zion, like, it mentioned in passing at some point over the, the last several months, like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll want to play together one day. It's like, I'm not... I'm not even entertaining those thoughts as a Knicks fan, and R.J. Barrett is is here. I just like I want to see Zion play with the Pelicans, and I want to see what he does, and I'll be I'll be rooting for him and and enjoying it. So I'm gonna well let's finish with the two guys who were on the Knicks this year that were with you guys last year. Before we get there, um, I want to talk about someone that I think is going to be an interesting name for Knicks fans this year. Some Nick fans, not all Nick fans. Some some Nick fans like just to focus on what's in front of them. But some Nick fans will um, be paying attention to thinking ahead to next summer because, um, as I'm sure you know, there's not a whole lot of um, talent on the unrestricted free agency market. But um, come summer of 2020, there are definitely some interesting names um, in terms of restricted free agency. Um, and I would argue that maybe the most interesting name um, is a guy who plays for your team uh, by the name of Brandon Ingram. Um, have I'm sure you haven't yet really thought about like contract numbers for him, but just in terms of like um, player type, um, what you see his ideal role being, like what is your kind of mini scouting report so far um, on? Branding Ingram and like how he fits in the league and like a like an ideal role for him. Yeah, I I really liked Brandon Ingram. I I loved whenever he would bring the ball up for LA. I just I love. I think it was his. Best, I love his best role for sure. Yeah, it was so interesting, and I just I just I just love the look of it too. It was just like what's going on here. I love stuff like that. I I worry about his fit with this Pelicans team with, as far as playing him with Zion and there not being a lot of outside shooting necessarily. Um, From like a I there's only one ball perspective type of deal. Yeah, but also you know he, him and Zion aren't good outside shooters as far as big men are concerned. You know, and I just I just wonder. I, I really don't think that Brandon Ingram is long for New Orleans, even really? though out of all out of all the players that we have acquired, uh, Brandon Ingram looks most like he's from New Orleans. Like he just has like a New Orleans vibe to him. And <laughs> and and I've heard a lot of people talk about like about that. And, and, I, and I'm prepared for people to get like to to kind of fall in love with him. I think he's going to be a very interesting scorer. You know, going back to the people who who are um, who are kind of casual basketball fans who don't. Um, who don't know a ton about the game. I think they're going to be really impressed and wowed by him, and they're going to be sad when he gets traded uh, sometime before the deadline. I just, I, you I, I really, just think, you really think he's going to get dealt? Wow, I kind of, I kind of do, you know. And and you know, I, I don't mean this as like a um like a curveball hot take, like no, like no, me, not. But but I think that I think that if if I had to pick somebody that's that's exciting right now that's a notable um acquisition that will not be on the team next summer i think i pick him and i think it's because of the contract stuff because they can't pay all of these guys you know same song different team and i think that they're going to uh try and make some move that's gonna that, that that's gonna be like a down the line type of move you know, I, don't, I don't think it'll be a star for a star unless it's someone like a you know if, if like a bradley beal type of thing uh, opens itself up to us you know i think that um he would be you know I- any superstar trade that comes to new Orleans that, that becomes available to new orleans i think that ingram will be available before lonzo ball that's so that's uh, i'm 
happy you mentioned Ball because it's funny. Like I, I actually agree with you. I don't. I could see Ball and Zion working together. I could see Ingram and Zion working together. I'm not sure. I see all three of those guys working together with Drew Holiday, who also is a guy who, you know, obviously likes to have the ball some of the time. Um, it's, it's something about that fit, again, from afar. I don't I don't spend nearly as much time thinking about this team as you do, obviously. Um, but I, I, I honestly hadn't even thought about the possibility of Ingram getting traded this year. But now that you bring it up, it actually does make a lot of sense. Um that's interesting. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna see Gentry play with the lineup so many different ways. You're gonna tinker with it a, a, quite a bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Ingram was highlighted early. Okay. Uh, because be, you know, because they want to eventually move him. Also, I just want to say this is not what I hope to happen. I you know, I, I think it would be cool if this were our team moving forward. Then we figure it out, but. That's just not the way things work in the NBA, and I think that I, I just wonder if Brandon Ingram's destiny is actually being the second best player on a pretty good team, and not the, you know, I don't know what he would be in the Pelicans now, but it feels like, you know, after you know, Zion, probably the third best player after Zion and Drew, right? But I think that the Pelicans will value other people more than they value Brandon Ingram. Yeah, he's you know he's an interesting guy because you know it's it's actually kind of similar in a way to RJ Barrett in the sense that he's a guy that clearly um, functions better when he has the ball in his hands, but um, is not, I mean, and obviously RJ Barrett is a rookie. We haven't seen him play an NBA game yet. So everybody in New York, me included, thinks that he's going to improve greatly um, with the ball, even though he might have a, a, a rough rookie year, you know, Ingram's obviously entering his fourth season. So, you know, how, like, where where does he go from here as a as a as a as a playmaker as a I, I don't know I don't I, I still don't know what to make of him um, and I'm, that's why I'm, I'm curious to see um, them especially early in the year especially if it, like you predict um, they're going to highlight him um, I think that's a really good take that's I'm, I'm going to spend some time thinking about that one um, last season you had two gentlemen who have made their way north to New York, um, Alfred Payton and Julius Randle. Um, I was hoping that we could do this. I will give you the perception that most people that I've talked to at least, um, and that myself to some extent, has about each of these guys, and you tell me how off base um, those perceptions are. Is that fair? I'm ready. Okay, so Alfred Payton. Um, I think the general perception about him is good defender, um, not great defender, good defender, solid defender, um, that always looks to, will look to pass for, maybe not first, second, and third, but like definitely first and second and maybe third, um, will try to shoot it when he's forced to, um, and, um, lacks some confidence in his outside shot and obviously the numbers um speak for themselves so how how far off am i from what you actually have seen from him uh, over the last year yeah i think that nails it i think he only forgot you know uh, has the capacity to have the best hair in the nba whenever, <laughs> whenever he wants to important that is important 
I think that's very important. You know, it, it plays well into a team's identity. You know, they can get behind stuff like that. Uh, but no, but yeah, I think I think you're right. You know, dude doesn't like to shoot that much. Uh, I think he's also has the capacity to be a triple double machine if he's in the right situation. Yeah, five. And, what was it? Five I, or six straight at the end of last year, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to say, you know, I I am bummed that Alfred Payton is not in a New Orleans jersey. I I I am on board with him leaving. I understand. I I get that. You know, if you have Lonzo Ball, you probably don't need Alfred Payton. I get it, but I just think it's so it's so rare for a player to be. To, to get to play for his hometown and it actually is a good fit and everyone is happy and all the stuff. I, I mean, I, I, I just had a, a big soft spot for Alfred Payton. I thought his family was really cool and chill and I love seeing him on billboards around town. I, I'm going to miss Alfred Payton. I, I really, I'm a believer for him and I think he can be, he can be your, you know, he, he's a really good third or fourth best player, I think on, on a team. So yeah, I was, so the, <laughs> I tried tried as I might. Um, I, I attempted several times to dig into some of the advanced numbers from New Orleans last year, and it's like I every time I ran into a dead end because there are the numbers that are from when Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis were on the floor, and then there are the numbers from when those two players were not on the floor, and those those numbers for player different players who are not Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday looked very very different from one another. So I don't know how much value, you know, I personally got from trying to do that, that research. Did you, but like when you watch a guy game in and game out, you get an impression, you know, is this guy conducive to winning basketball or is he a hindrance to winning basketball? Um, we had a player here last year by the name of Emmanuel Moutier, you may have heard of him, um, left a very particular impression in the minds of Nick fans, um, who did not have the same feeling, most of us, um, in terms of being said that he he's no longer here um was Peyton a guy that you got the impression like good things seemed to happen when he was on the floor even if it was you know with really good players alongside of him yeah I I I do and I, I think maybe most importantly about Alfred is that he I think that he knows what he is and I don't think he tries to overcompensate which I think on a team like the Pelicans had last year, I think that that was that was perfect. So that that makes that that makes me feel confident about his abilities to fit in wherever uh, wherever he is. Now his fit on your Knicks team, I don't uh, uh, this specific Knicks team, I don't I don't know I don't know enough about about your players to uh, to really have a take on that. But I think that. I, I think that in a world in which the Knicks land a superstar via free agency sometime in the next couple of years, you get a great draft pick next year. I think that Alfred Payton playing in the role for that future Knicks team could be very similar to the role that hopefully Drew Holiday plays on this current Pelicans team. Someone oh, who's been around someone who's been around, you know, maybe is not a super duper star, but is trustworthy and 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 I think has the ability to lead and and knows who he is. I and it, I'm happy you put it that way because it's it's so it's I don't want to say it's so different from Dennis Smith Jr., who is slated to go into camp as the starting point guard. Although apparently there are indications that Peyton will be given every chance to fight for that job. Um, I'm not sure Smith knows what he is, and I think he thinks he's one thing, and I'm not sure if that's the thing that he actually is. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see how those guys um, play off of each other this year, compete for minutes this yeah. year. 
that that's really, that, that that's very interesting too because I I think that Dennis Smith Jr. is probably a good example of how awkward it can be when you think you're something that you're not. You know, it's one thing to be that irrational confidence guy, but it's another sure. thing to actually not know who you are, not know what you stand for, and you know it's you know it's the same thing with like human beings the way that like you know. People don't know who they actually are until they're whatever, you know, they're late thirties or what, you know, I think that, that, that same thing is true for basketball, although probably a lot sooner than late thirties, obviously. <laughs> well, but, but, if you don't figure it out, you might be out of a career before then. Right. But, but like Dennis Smith Jr. would be, uh, it would be wise to figure out who he is and then be the best possible version of that person. And I think that that is the best thing about Alfred Payton. Well, that's, I, I'm happy you said that because that, it's funny. There's been a lot of people who were like, who have said to me, you know, on DMs and whatnot, like, man, I would be totally happy with this offseason um, if they just didn't sign. The two guys who get who I get this about, Peyton and Bobby Portis, have been like, everybody's like, I'm okay with other signings. Those are the two that, like, one or two of them they don't get. And I just, I have a, I kind of agree with you. Even before I talked to you, I, I've thought, like, there's something about Peyton that I think is going to be a nice influence on this team. Um, and we'll we'll see how that that takes shape. Um, yeah, my, my my second favorite thing about Alfred Payton, really quickly, sure. is dude got a tattoo on his arm when he was in high school, I think, of the of the New Orleans Hornets logo because he grew up in New Orleans, the New That's Orleans so area. Cool. So he that. has a huge he has a huge tattoo on his arm of the Florida League with the Hornet inside of it with Mardi Gras beads around it, and. I don't know. I, I would love. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of into tattoo culture as well as basketball. I I'm I'm I maybe I'm the person to do this. I don't know, but I really want to see some sort of really in depth piece about player tat. But when players get tattoos of their favorite teams growing up, and they also end up competing in that same league, and how often are they playing for that exact same team? Like Alfred Payton was playing was wearing a New Orleans Pelicans jersey. While having a New Orleans Hornets tattoo on his arm, that's insane. I think a you need to write that story, um, and b you need to um, make sure you interview J.R. Smith uh, for it as well because he has the um, New York Yankees symbol um, somewhere on his on, neck, right? On, yeah, on his neck. And actually, bad job by me as a Knicks podcast host and, and longtime Knicks fan. I don't know if he had that tattoo before he. I th- I've always been under the impression he had that tattoo before he came to the Knicks, but I, I don't know that for certain. But I'm curious to, to find that out, and you should be the one to write that story. Um, as a very, very quick aside, as a tattoo person, you'll appreciate this. I, um, many years ago, um, I got a tattoo of um, a phoenix on my arm because I was bored one day and I thought it looked cool. Um Fast forward to my career now, I work as a teacher uh, for a school that just so happens to have, um, this is actually kind of like Alfred Payton, that just so happens to have uh, the Phoenix as their mascot. So I have kids walking by me in the hallway literally <laughs> every day be like, oh man, you got a tattoo of the school mascot? And I'm like, no, I would never in a million years do that. I wish I could remove this thing. I, that's not true. I still love my tattoo, but yeah. So that's um, uh, that's that's very funny. You can have me do fact checking for your story when you eventually write it. All right, um, you're before, hired. <laughs> before we go, I, we have to talk about um, talk about burying the lead. 
this is when I conceived of this podcast. This was the first thing I figured we'd talk about, and we're fifty three minutes into this, and we're just getting to him now. Uh, Julius Randle. Um, here's my perception of him, and I, I should I should add that it is my perception, and I don't I don't know if this is shared by the populace, but it is. I feel pretty strongly about it. Um, absolutely impossible in offensive singular offensive force that when he gets going um is maybe one of the 10 hardest um I'll say big guys in the league to stop um just you know kind of one on one um when he's really getting after it um that foregoes passes that are not only available to him but that maybe at times should be obvious to him. Um, and this sometimes uh, neutralizes what should be um, an otherwise very, very positive effect that he has on the floor. Um, and also someone that, even though he possesses the ability to be a good defender, um, oftentimes cannot uh, defend his way out of a paper bag. I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but that's what I'm going to go with anyway. So that is my perception of Julius Randle. Tell me how far am I off base from what you saw last year of him? Well, I want to lead off by saying this is true about Alfred Payton and Julius Randle. One thing that I am looking forward to kind of with those guys not being on the team anymore is all of my basketball friends, mostly people who are at the, at the gym where I work out, that uh, that don't actually like dive deep into podcasts and blogs and advanced stats. They all love uh, Julius Randle and Alfred Payton because they just look at box scores, right? <laughs> and 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 I and they always get into these arguments with the people who do you know who who analyze more and who do advanced stats and all that. All the advanced stats people that I know really dislike Julius Randle as they and, should, as they should, right? And um. Uh, but I, I, but I think, I think that Julius Randle, to uh, you know, to to use a similar system I use with Alfred Payton, I think he's pretty close to figuring out who he is, and I think it's exciting for him to be on a team like your New York Knicks. I think, I think that he's looking to belong somewhere, and I think that he had such huh. a such a, such like a powerful year in New Orleans. And can you, can you actually speak, speak more on that? Because that's really interesting to me to to hear that. What do you what do you mean by that? I just, I'm curious that he had a powerful well, year down there. Well, well, I think that I think that well, well, well the, the second half of the season last year when he came on so strong and he just made everyone think that he was most certainly going to be re-signed and why wouldn't he be? Look at these numbers. And I think that when you when you think about his years in L.A., never making the playoffs, that injury he had, um, it was the very first game, right? Yeah, his first, first game of his rookie year, yeah. I think from that to I, I I'm not a big draft guy, but I believe his his I believe he fell a little bit in the draft. If I my memory serves me correctly, I mean he was number he was I think the number two recruit seven. in his recruiting class, and then he had you know he was had an okay freshman year, and then he fell to seventh, which I think was probably a few spots lower than he should have gone. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that this guy probably you know if you give him truth serum, you know I think that he probably is like. I haven't found my. I, I haven't had an opportunity to really show to show what I'm capable of, and I believe that I am capable of of being a major contributor 
to a competing team. And I think we got a little taste of that last year. And uh, unfortunately, it's kind of it's kind of um, masked by by the by the post Anthony Davis trade demand stuff and the Pelicans not making the playoffs. So Randall yet again, not being a winner. I think all these things add up to him getting ready to really break out. You know, I, and I, I, I know that he, he was a candidate, he won most improved player or he finished second a few years ago. And then he was, and then he almost won it again last year. I know he and was it, in the, like he, he was in the conversation um, for sure. Yeah, I just remember I remember reading something that was like, "This has not really happened before." Someone, someone being recognized as one of the most improved players, and then all, then being recognized for that again, as if you improved from how much you already improved. And and it, it, this feels like a a dramatic take, but I think that he might do it again. Like, what if he's what if he scores twenty five points a game next year in New York, and what if? And what if? Um, but also, do you even want that? Like, do you want Julius Randle to be really good next year and turn the Knicks from a basement team into a like mid-tier team? Well, that therefore ruining your not ruining but hurting your draft. No, I I I will feel comfortable uh, answering on behalf of the eight point five million Knicks fans, however the <laughs> hell many they are. Yes, we are comfortable with um, if if Julius Randle's stats equate to wins because. Um, if it's one, if it's one word that has been uh, banished from the vocabulary uh, for the season ahead, at least uh, it is it is tanking. Um, we it, the, the, understandably for, so for 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 many reasons um, for this particular franchise and for this particular roster. I want to specify that 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 there there needs to be some modicum of winning that that takes place this year. So yes, I do I would very much like for for Randall to contribute to that. Well, I think that's what's going to happen. I, I I think that, you know, his bowling ball asses is ready to <laughs> score some points and I I think he's really eager to matter. That's I love the way you put I I you know I feel like it's to go back to something you said before. Um, he's almost he's really close to figuring out what type of player um, that he is. I feel like talented players, you know, put aside the like the freaks of nature, like the LeBrons and like Tim Duncan's of the world, but like most talented players, they come to a point in their career where it's like, okay, here are the things I need to do to not only like obviously get my numbers. But to actually, like, like gut out possessions when I'm not in the mood to gut out possessions, like it's easy to like, yeah. Of course, when you're on friggin' TNT on Thursday night, that's fine, wonderful. When it's like mid March and it's like you know it's the third quarter and you're and it's like you're down by 15 and it's like you're the game's about to slip away. Um, you know, I think they're they're looking for Randall to be the guy to 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 help turn around cuz that's what we haven't had here if if I'm being blunt is someone to be like hey th- this shit can't go on here anymore um i hope he's that guy um he certainly he looks the part i want to say so and it, from what you're saying maybe he maybe this is the year he starts to put it together for real yeah i i would put my money on that happening and i and i'm pulling for him too you know i i think that i think it's it's fun when 
it's fun when there's a player who has passed through your city and played for your team and has left on good terms and like nothing like nothing super notable happened to move the needle towards the bad direction and their their career is probably um you know trending upwards and they're going to a team that you really have no um competitive history with so so for me where i'm standing here in my beautiful uh, new orleans home i am with your buffet for with your buffet with food. my buffet <laughs> with my steaming hot you know alonzo uh, ball buffet um <laughs> i am i am uh I, I'm, I'm pulling for the for randall and peyton and, and nick's jerseys to be honest and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be excited when i when i see the stat line while watching a game you know downtown the french quarter and i see that julius randall just scored 40 you know julius randall is you know he's he's averaging career highs i i'm, I'm gonna be excited for y'all um i hope you're right um i i'm and i'm happy that um, you you feel that way to start the season. Um, I'm just looking at the the good old calendar now. I the two dates that you will not be feeling that way will be uh, Friday, January 10th. Um, that's when you guys are here. And then when do we come to see you guys? It must be late in the year. I'm looking right now. It must be oh wow, we don't come to you guys until March uh, 27th, a Friday night. Um. Man, I want to go down to New Orleans for that game. If I come down to New Orleans for that game, can I have some of your buffet? That's what I really want. I just want the food. Yeah, you know what? I've got some. Uh, I got a Brandon Ingram, uh, you know, peach cobbler over here. I'll wrap it up in foil for you. And I also have. I also have a a JJ Redick, you know, ice cream sandwich that I will keep in the freezer. Um, JJ Redick, uh, Brooklyn resident, by the way, uh, Williamsburg. Um, I, I will end by saying this, um, having nothing to do with basketball. I, me and my wife, um, we have a, a child who's about to be three in a couple of days. And every year since she's been born, we've taken like one little trip, just like a essentially a long weekend for ourselves that we leave our daughter with uh, our um, my mom. And we did New Orleans um, two years ago. It was like, that was like the big one that we were looking forward to for years and we just did like two nights down there and it was just like it's the best it's the best fucking city i'm sorry but it is it's just you it's it's a lot of fun and uh the food oh my god i would weigh i, I don't even know what i would you have to roll me out of the, the house in the morning i don't know how you guys do it down there and not like yeah it's it's it, you, well you're right everyone listening he's right he's telling the truth come to new orleans come hang out you know come 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 in uh, in march march 27th the weather will be really good Probably still pretty cold in New York, right? Um, it'll be perfect in New Orleans. Come down here, watch your Knicks try their best against the Pelicans. Come and watch R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson give each other a nice hug before the game. And, <laughs> and you know, just come here and live your best life and watch the way we uh, we do basketball here. I like that. Uh, well, listen, I, I can't thank you enough um, for coming on the pod. Uh, this was a I, – I, I'm sure I probably always say some version of this, but I really mean it. This was a lot of fun. Um, and, oh, uh, same here, man. Same here. Yeah. Uh, why don't you um, – I know we mentioned it at the beginning, but why don't you tell folks um, where where they could find you? 
Yeah, so you know, after doing uh, for years, I did my own podcast called True to the Game, and then I ended up doing. Po- I started doing my podcast for the Pelicans a few years ago, but I've been out of the podcast game for a while. But it's all hap- It's back. I'm back in the game. Uh, it's at Pelicans Overtime. The first episode is being recorded next week, but the trailer is up right now. So the same place where you are listening to this podcast, you can go over there and grab the Pelicans Overtime podcast. And if you're weary about adding yet another podcast to your list, uh, just give me a shot. You know, my podcast is going to be a little bit less X's and O's and more like weird culture type stuff. And I think that the Pelicans are a very interesting team to follow this year, no matter where you live. And it's also it's a safe follow. For like, so I think it's safe for Knicks fans to be happy for Pelicans fans. You know, we don't really cross cross streams at all, unless you guys can can't get over the lottery uh, the, the, the the lottery results. But we 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 we'd be happy to have y'all come and listen in. So it's Pelicans overtime, and uh, yeah, give us a give us a follow. Um, I I will second that. No, and there's there's no bitterness here. I think uh, I think everything worked out uh, as it should. And uh, yeah, I'm already excited about those games. We'll have to we'll have to do this again um, around the time that they they play each other. Um, so yeah, Chris, thank you once again for coming on, and of course everybody out there, um, thank you for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. And we will be back with you for another episode uh, before you know it. Um, but until then, uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Good deal.